Elements was produced on the land of the Wajak Noongar people, home of the first scientists. I also have a huge issue with the idea of us just leaving stuff for the ocean to swallow up because what's going to end, we're just going to end up with a bunch more trash in the ocean, which is problematic in the first place. You know, like if someone's just leaving that $15 million property, that's got a whole bunch of junk that we don't want in the ocean, building material, rubble, waste, concrete leaching. Um, but I also don't really see an alternative. Hi, this is Elements, where we investigate how the natural elements shape us, the people of Western Australia and our environment. In this season, we are going to be talking all about water. I'm your host, Zayat Dengeril, and on today's episode, we're going to look into the fundamentals of coastal erosion. First of all, what is coastal erosion? Well, so coastal erosion, I guess sort of technically speaking, is a, uh, a loss of sand or sediment from the portion of the beach that's um, above the water, so the portion of the beach that you see when you go down to the beach. That was Jeff Hansen, an associate professor at the University of Western Australia School of Earth Sciences. His research focuses on understanding the physical processes that occur in coastal environments, including the phenomenon of coastal erosion. According to Jeff, coastal erosion in general is a completely harmless event. It's a process that helps keep the coastal environment balanced. Basically, some sand goes into the ocean and some sand comes out of the ocean. And voila, we have coastal erosion. It even has a seasonal pattern. So it's quite natural that beaches erode in the winter and then that sand, which is actually transported off um, offshore into the water, actually comes back onto the beach during the summer. But here's the problem. Sometimes the ocean does not return the sand it has taken from the coastline, but continues to take more and more with every storm. And that's when coastal erosion starts to become a hazard for humans. Now, I don't know about you, but every year I see at least one, if not multiple stories on the news about some horrible winter storm devastating a part of Western Australia's coast. Port Beach, Rottnest Island, Fremantle, Busselton, they're just some examples of the many coastal areas that have been hit with rough winter storms which cause a loss of beach sand, vegetation and in some instances infrastructure damage. And according to the news these events are just going to get worse and worse. So is mainstream media just being melodramatic or is coastal erosion actually a serious threat to the people and environment of Western Australia? Yeah, erosion is a, a really big problem in WA. That was Dr. Abby Rogers, the Deputy Director of the UWA Oceans Institute and Co-Director of the UWA Centre for Environmental Economics. She focuses on finding cost-effective ways of using and protecting natural resources by understanding the relationship between humans and their environment. According to Abby, the problem of coastal erosion in WA will become bigger and bigger due to the impacts of climate change. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, ugh, here we go again with the climate change spiel. 
but we just can't talk about changing coastlines without talking about climate change. So let's find out how exactly the two issues connect. As we're seeing the impacts of climate change kind of exacerbate all of that, we're seeing a lot of degradation of our ecosystems in the ocean as well, which means that some of those protective benefits that we would normally see from them are starting to dissipate as ocean temperatures rise and our reefs start to die off and seagrass beds start to die off. So we've got all of these sort of compounding problems that are contributing to erosion becoming an increasing problem, uh, as well as the sea level rise, meaning the erosion is happening more often in a, a place that's intersecting with where we have our activities, our buildings, our, our recreation, and so on. In recent decades, sea levels have been steadily rising at a rate of about three to five millimetres per year across the world. And the rate of sea level rise along the coast of Western Australia is on par with these rates. However, in some years, the sea level along the WA coast increased significantly due to what is known as the Lewin Current. We have the, um, the Lewin Current that, that flows from north to south along the coast, and that's a warm water current. And globally, it's actually very rare for there to be a warm water current on the, on the western side of a continent. Usually the warm water currents are on the eastern side of the con continents. Um, the, the details are a bit complicated, but because it's on the west side of the um, continent, it has a strong impact on our sea level. And so the years that that, that, um, that Lewin current is stronger, we actually have higher sea levels in WA. And that's impacted whether or not it's a La Nina or an El Nino event. And climate change is expected to, to impact the, the frequency and the, the regularity of those El Nino and La Nina events. And so, for example, the last few years have been a La Nina, and that's also um, corresponds to higher rainfalls on the east coast of Australia where we've seen all the flooding. But here, the impact of La Nina tends to be higher sea levels. According to a study from the UWA Oceans Graduate School, when the Lewin current is combined with a strong La Nina event, sea levels can increase by as much as 30 centimeters along the WA coast. When we put this into the context of rising global temperatures, then we have ourselves the perfect recipe for big angry storms along the coastline, which lead to more erosion and more flooding. There are some quite old estimates floating around that in the next hundred years, we're probably going to lose something in the order of tens of billions of dollars worth of uh, built infrastructure due to uh, coastal hazards broadly, so including erosion and inundation, so the impacts of sea level rise as well. In 2021, the Insurance Council of Australia published a paper highlighting the estimated risks from the impact of climate change on the ocean. Now, keep in mind that the Insurance Council of Australia is the body that represents the general insurance industry across the country. So they have a pretty big stake in the issue of climate change. Anyhow, their research predicted that Australia will need to invest at least $30 million into large-scale coastal protection and adaptation projects over the next 50 years. Now, if you ask me, that's a lot of money to estimate as the minimum. The same paper estimated that the city of Busselton will need around $1.6 billion to address the issues that will be created for the area by future coastal hazards including coastal erosion. 
that's almost three quarters of their gross regional product. Okay, so this all sounds very serious and very, very expensive, but we can do something about it, right? Surely the government and scientists are doing things to save our coastlines from drastically changing. Well, in July 2019, the WA state government published a report highlighting 55 coastal erosion hotspots across the state. The report defined a hotspot as an area where coastal erosion is expected to impact on public and private physical assets and require management and adaptation action within 25 years. The state government has also allocated $33.5 million to help manage and protect the coastal environment. And so far, they've invested more than $13 million on 109 different projects, which focus on a variety of coastal management efforts across the state. But what exactly do they mean by coastal management? Yeah, coastal management is, I guess, quite a broad concept. Uh, And there's a term floating around that is uh, integrated coastal zone management. And I, I think that really reflects what coastal management is about because there are so many different moving pieces when it comes to the coast. Coastal management is about how we manage the natural environment along our coastlines, but it's also about how we manage people in that space. So how do we manage developments and planning of the coastal zone? Um, How do we manage commercial and recreational activities in that zone? Uh, So there's a whole raft of things that come into coastal management at the broad scale. And according to Dr. Abby Rogers, there's no one single management plan that suits the whole of the WA coastline. However, the methods can be put into two general categories. So there's two general approaches, and these are generally kind of classified as hard or, or soft approaches or solutions. And the, the sort of hard or sometimes called gray solutions are things like seawalls or breakwaters or rocks. Um, so any kind of constructed structure and that historically has been the primary approach um those are they tend to cause a little significant reduction in beach amenity so they're they're becoming less popular in the community at least um and there's a lot more movement to more sort of natural solutions and so the biggest one of those is is nourishment uh and so that includes essentially dumping sand on the beach and that could be say from a trucking it in from somewhere else or um, or dredging it and actually pumping it onto the beach from the ocean side. And as weird as it sounds, sand nourishment is actually a very popular method. For example, the city of Fremantle, Shire of Augusta Margaret River and city of Basselton have all spent a fair chunk of money on sand nourishment projects. And when I say fair chunk, I mean a fair chunk. In 2020, the city of Fremantle received a fund of $3.25 million from the state government to apply sand nourishment to Port Beach alone. So what are the pros and cons of these methods? Well, so the hard structures, like they tend to reduce the beach amenity in the sense like so for if you build a, if you put a bunch of rocks on the beach, uh, you actually lose, can lose, you know, say five meters of beach just to actually where those rocks are sitting. 
Um, so you've lost that beach for people to use just because the rocks are now occupying that space. Um, and sometimes those structures actually can enhance the erosion on either side of them. And then with the nourishment, the nourishment has become quite popular because, um, you know, essentially put a bunch of sand on the beach um, and it's, you know, natural. It, it, it spreads out kind of naturally and it, it, it can be really nice. The biggest downside with that is it doesn't last very long. So it has to be something that has to be continually redone. Interesting. So to me, it sounds like we're using a lot of money and energy to keep our coastlines exactly the way they are. But why? Why can't we just accept that the beaches we know and love are changing and adapt accordingly? Turns out there's a name for that idea. It's called managed retreat. In the context of coastal erosion, managed retreat is basically when you allow the shoreline to move inland instead of trying to keep it where it is. And in the majority of cases, managed retreat requires people to permanently relocate further inland as the ocean takes over the land we once used. And that's where people get divided. How do I think that plan sounds? Um, like, a, like it's not going to work or be equitable at all. I also have a huge issue with the idea of us just leaving stuff for the ocean to swallow up because what's going to end, we're just going to end up with a bunch more trash in the ocean. That was Mita, a frequent visitor of South Beach in the city of Fremantle. An early morning swim in the ocean is part of Mita's daily ritual. As a result, she's quite familiar with the issue of coastal erosion. However, as you've just heard, she has her reservations around the idea of managed retreat. Where would people move to? And how does a government decide how much to compensate people? What do we even do with everything we leave behind? Those are just some of the questions Mita raised during a short conversation. And she's not the only one who has questions about managed retreat. In 2012, the CSIRO surveyed 522 Australians about sea level rise and associated risks. Only 29% of the participants agreed or strongly agreed that we could successfully pull off a fair and just scheme in which the government acquired residential property as part of a managed retreat project. Even more concerningly, half of the survey participants completely rejected the notion of there being risks associated with sea level rise. That being said, the idea of managed retreat seems to be gaining a lot of interest from the powers that be. A recent study found that in the past five years, there has been 135 scientific papers published on the topic of managed retreat, and they all highlighted one key thing. The coordination across different levels of government is essential to a successful outcome. Which brings me to question, do we have a well-coordinated government system that's ready to facilitate a managed retreat project here in Western Australia? The policies that sit around coastal management broadly are, are probably not ideal in that we've kind of got a lot of different government departments who each have a small stake in coastal management issues, as well as the fact that our local governments are largely responsible for um, the day-to-day the -day decision making and trying to secure the budgets to do things on the coast. Uh, so it means that we, we don't sort of have one body who has oversight of all of the different connected issues that sit within coastal management. 
Uh, so probably the closest that we get to that is the Department of Planning who have some state planning policies of which coastal planning sits within that. Mm -hmm. But that is very tied to the planning space. Uh, the erosion type issues sit within that too in terms of how we plan to deal with those in the future. We, we probably could improve on how we set up the governance structure around our coastal management quite a bit. Well, um, that's not as reassuring as I was hoping for. Furthermore, in January 2022, Coast WA conducted an online survey with local governments about coastal hazard risk management and adaptation plans. A total of 28 local governments and one regional partnership participated in the survey, and uh, none of them felt highly prepared for future inundation events caused by sea level rise and storm surge. Only 29% of them felt moderately prepared to take action. When asked why they felt this way, the local governments said there was a huge lack in funding and that their staff just did not have enough time or the right skills to implement the coastal hazard risk management and adaptation plans. Okay, so when it comes to managing the risks of coastal erosion here in Western Australia, we've got seawalls, sand nourishment, and managed retreat. Surely there are other ideas, right? Um, and then there's also a lot of uh, interest in development and deploying uh, artificial reefs. So these are reefs that serve to both cause the waves to be broken further from the shoreline, but also um, enhance habitats. And there's efforts to say um, enhance or, or re-establish benthic habitats, so like seagrass meadows, because um, you know as a wave passes over a seagrass, the energy from the wave moves that seagrass blade back and forth, and that actually takes energy from the wave, so it causes the waves to have less energy. Um, and those habitats have been destroyed for various reasons. So there's a lot of effort into re, um, re-establishing or expanding those. So these are sort of called nature-based uh, methods and those are uh, the focus of a lot of the research that's being done. Um, and, you know, aren't necessarily suitable for all, all areas, but uh, are generally have sort of less impact and maintain more amenity than this sort of more classical sort of, you know, concrete seawall kind of um, things. Whew. Okay, so it does sound like scientists are looking into other options. That's really comforting to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, are there things that regular beach lovers like you and I can do to help us deal with coastal erosion? Well, I mean, I think there are quite a lot of little things. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of um, community groups that, that aim to try and um, enhance coastal dunes and so that may be you know getting rid of, uh, of invasive vegetation and replanting um, those dunes with uh, native vegetation because if the dunes are actually planted out um, it keeps that sand being blown away so that stays in the dunes. Hang on a minute what do sand dunes have to do with coastal erosion? So essentially dunes are formed by beach sand that's been blown off the beach um, right, and so I like to think of the dunes as uh, sort of the beach's savings account, if you will, right? So 
when the times are good and the sand is plentiful, the beach stores the sand in the dunes. And then when the times are bad, uh, it, it withdraws sand from those dunes to sort of help um, buffer itself. Um, and so where dune vegetation becomes important is it helps keep the sand stay in the dunes and not blow away, say for example, across um, further inland where, it, where it's less likely to be available to the beach. But sort of they are essentially just giant heaps of sand, but they are, there's a lot of native vegetation. It's designed to live on those dunes and, and their roots sort of help kind of keep it in place. And the structures of the plant actually kind of trap some of that sand as it's blowing away. Um, and so there are a lot of things like that. And just, um, you know, making sure that when you go to the beach that you stay on the paths and you don't walk over the nice uh, vegetated part of the dunes because that actually, you know, will damage the dunes. Um, yeah, I'd say probably that's uh, the, the biggest one that comes to mind is, is sort of getting involved. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that I mentioned earlier that a lot of the coastal councils are going through these pretty significant planning exercises. Um, and so, you know, because uh, local governments have to do community cult consultation with those uh, with those plans. So it's, if, you know, people are concerned, they can get involved. And um, uh, but I think the overall arching idea is there's going to have to be some hard decisions being made um, and the community should be involved in those decisions. Well, there you go. Be nice to the sand dunes, tune into your council news and volunteer if you want to. Us humans love being near the water. There's just something so serene and soothing about it. Yeah, lakes and rivers are nice, but Australians seem to be particularly drawn to the ocean. So much so that around 85% of our population live within 50 kilometers of the coast. And as a direct result of this, huge proportions of our infrastructure is located around coastal areas. We're talking transportation, communication networks, community centers, houses, shops, restaurants, and more. We've built our whole community near the ocean, and each of us have created fond personal memories near and around the beach. But if sea levels continue to rise as predicted, the impact of coastal erosion is going to become increasingly severe. And some things will definitely have to change in Western Australia and the country as a whole. So I guess the only question is, what exactly are we willing to change and how much will it cost? This episode of Elements was produced by Executive Producers are and Original Music was written by Gabriel Elements is brought to you by Particle. To find out more about all the weird and wonderful science happening in Western Australia, visit particle.scitech.org.au or follow us on social media at ParticleWA.